I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello there, and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the world's only podcast dedicated to plant-based cookbooks and learning more about the authors who wrote those cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder, and he's the lady to my tramp, but he's not here. Mr. Rossetti. Unfortunately, um, David's not here. And the reason is, I was putting this episode together and I accidentally deleted what David and I recorded. So it's just me. David's not available to record. He's off doing the gosh darn thing and the hustle, living the life. And we got to get this episode up for y'all. So I'm just going to do this myself. Today, we are talking about Crimsy Lilith's book, The Cajun Vegan cookbook. I love this book so much. Normally, David would do a little book flip right here. But since he's not here, I'm going to open it up and talk about a few recipes that I made on my own here. I have cooked from this book. I found it incredibly delicious. Lots of tasty bites in here. Uh, First one I opened to that I made was the molasses and roasted pecan pancakes. Now, in what David and I recorded, of course, we had a discussion over pecan or pecan. So I'm going to bring that discussion alive here. Please DM us. Let us know. You can DM us uh, at the vegan roadie, of course, or uh, even David at D-R-O-S-S-E-T-T-I. That's on Instagram. Hit him up in those DMs and let him know you miss him because I miss him right now. I feel very alone. But molasses and roasted pecan pancakes. Do you say pecan or pecan? Let us know. These were so yummy, tasty, and delicious. And this picture in this book is beautiful. Uh, And then I also made, had to make it, I had to do it. There is a sweet and salty skillet cornbread in here. And uh, Crimsy and I get all into this in the interview. We talk about the cornbread and the cast iron skillet. It was so tasty, so easy, delicious to make and a perfect little crumb at, uh, at the end when you bit into it. So yummy. And then I also made, uh, I made the French Quarter beignets, y'all. David and I got to action with this book, and we made those beignets and uh, probably ate way more than we should have. They were fluffy like little pillows of delicious dough, fried to perfection and dusted with powdered sugar. So, so good. And this book is full of recipes just like that. The Cajun Vegan Cookbook by Crimsy Lilith. And let me tell you a little bit about Crimsy. Shall I? Crimsy Lilith was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and raised in the rich, celebratory culture of the Deep South. She spent a good deal of her childhood in the great outdoors and swampy, magical forests, teeming with all sorts of critters she came to love and respect. Crimsy's mission is to inspire others to care for themselves, animals, and the environment through food. She is the founder of the late and great Los Angeles restaurant Crimsy's Cajun Kitchen, the world's first vegan Cajun restaurant. Please welcome to the Keep On Cooking podcast, Crimsy Lilith. The founder of the late and great Crimsy's Cajun Kitchen and also author of this new beautiful book, The Cajun Vegan Kitchen, please welcome to Keep On Cooking, Crimsy Lilith. Thank you for joining me today, Crimsy. Hi, thank you. So glad you can be here through illness and through technical difficulties. We are here. Finally, we're going to get into your icebreaker. What (laughs) do you consider to be the perfect game night? Uh, perfect game night is definitely an analog one. So I'd like to have a group of my favorite people over and play something like old school, like Pictionary or, um, lately I've been enjoying 
moniker, which we formerly called like write something down and put it in a hat and then act it out. Like, yes, but I found yes. out recently that it's an actual game now. So <laughs> moniker, <laughs> I love <laughs> if that. anyone else plays that. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorites is right along those lines. Celebrity. I like to play. I like to have like, you know, I like to have a good group though, like six or eight people. Yeah. I like trivia stuff too. But for me, I like it to remain sort of in the pop culture realm a little bit which most trivias kind of go all over the place so i'm a little too specific for trivia game nights i suppose (laughs) well we're here to chat about your book the cajun vegan kitchen but before we get into that can you tell the listeners where you grew up how cooking became part of your life and at what point veganism came into play with it uh sure so i i was born and mostly raised in baton rouge louisiana or on the outskirts of baton rouge really and Uh, I didn't do much cooking growing up. We had sort of, I came from a big family, so it was a lot of like spaghetti and uh, hot dogs and beans. (laughs) Um, And like, you know, sometimes like chicken pot pie and like a lot of things like that. But um, myself, I didn't really start cooking until I was in my like mid twenties. I, I went vegan when I was 20 And, uh, it was after I saw a a YouTube video of factory farms and like animal slaughter and just a lot of stuff that I'd never been confronted with before. And so I went vegan at 20 and, um, mostly just ate trash for like five years. I ate like, (laughs) you know, I would like like, microwave a baked potato and put vegan cheese on it and some frozen broccoli and be like, that's good. Um, but it wasn't until I got, I got custody of a a preteen girl. And when she was in the house, I thought like, oh no, I should probably like feed her something more nutritious. (laughs) And that's when I started cooking. That's amazing. I love that. I mean, you're not alone in the vegan junk arena. A lot of us do it, especially I think we get excited. And I want to tell everyone listening, like, it's okay. It's great. Totally fine. It's part of the journey. It's part of the journey. And for me, it was definitely part of like, well, they, people said I'm not going to be able to have vegan pizza again. I'll show them. So it was Watch like, me eat this whole pizza. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And anytime you like find one, you know, a vegan pizza place somewhere in the universe, you're like, see, it does happen. We do have yep. it. Look at that. You know, so I totally <laughs> get it. It's part of it. Well, tell us also about uh, Crimsy's Cajun Kitchen. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was an idea I had uh, around the same time I went vegan. Cause I, I started realizing like, Oh, I, I, there is no gumbo. There is no etouffee. There is no, you know, all these things I liked. And so I used to play around with that, that idea, like, Oh, how funny would that be? And everyone would hate it. Um, and then fast forward (laughs) 10 years, I, um, I, I had, um, just quit a job that I wasn't feeling fulfilled by. I used to work in the oil and gas industry and I'd gotten a divorce. And then after having custody of that same preteen girl for a few more months, her biological parents took her back. And so I suddenly found myself like very, like a free agent. And so I thought like, you know, now is the time. So I moved to California and just started doing like food pop-ups and stuff like that. And that eventually, you know, one thing leads to another. And before you know it, you've got this, uh, this operating restaurant. And so that's kind of the short story. And how long was Crimsy's Cajun Kitchen open then? Um, in total, a little over three years. We nice. were, yeah, we were in a small, like super modest space, um, like the armpit of a shopping center for um, actually not very long, maybe like six months. And then we we outgrew that space. And that was really exciting. We moved over to a bigger spot. And uh, then we were there for a couple more years. Yeah. 
Well, it does. You have the legacy of it seems to live on this book, which I love. That's why I even ask about it. Crimsey's Cajun Kitchen. And where was it located? I'm sorry if you said it already. It was uh, technically North Hollywood, but anyone who's more familiar with the area would call it Valley Village on those Van Eyes. Fantastic. And you've, uh, I'm not breezing over these uh, little details. Oh, I, I, <laughs> it seems like I'm breezing over it, but that's because we're here to talk about the cookbook. Your personal life sounds like a journey of its own for a whole nother <laughs> podcast episode. So interesting. And I, oh. I, I love that you've put your book is, is sort of just like a, a, a combination of like your life into recipes too. So it's nice that we're getting a glimpse of it in here as well. Thank you. Yeah, the publisher was, um, I won't say they pushed me, but they were very encouraging of like, you know, tell your story. And I thought like, ew, it's stupid. No one cares. Um, and and they, they were like, we disagree. And um, I'm glad that they, you know, they nudged me a little on on opening up a bit more in those ways. Well, I am too. And everybody, you know, everyone always thinks our stories are more interesting than ourselves, of course. Uh, what was your first, do you remember what the first vegan cookbook was that you owned? We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, Bar and Girl fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-hosts sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! Uh, yes, kind of roughly. Um, it was around that same time when I started being like, oh no, I need to learn how to cook. So, um, I think it was called a thousand vegan recipes and there were like no photos in it or anything. It was just like a Bible of all these different yes, kinds. Yes. Of- by Robin Robertson. Is it- yeah, that does sound right. <laughs> yes. The one, and, of, uh, one of the cookbook Queens. It was, uh, man, I love that book because, um, not only did I not know how to cook vegan, I didn't know how to cook. And sure. so there were all these different recipes using different equipment, like styles of cooking and different, you know, levels of commitment. To, so I, I learned like how to cook for in a way that worked for me. And that was that was so helpful. It's great. Yeah, that book is very, very expansive. And while it doesn't have any pictures, it does have all the education and a great book, uh, Thousand Vegan Recipes. Uh, is that the name of it? Thousand Vegan Recipes? Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thousand Rob- Vegan Something. Yes, look up Robin Robertson, Thousand Vegan Something. There it will be, I promise you. Well, let's get into the Cajun Vegan Cookbook, a modern guide to classic Cajun cooking and Southern-inspired cuisine. Uh, clearly a book on vegan Cajun cooking, but also, you know, again, about the restaurant, a little glimpse into your personal life in there as well. Can you give us a little summary of how this book came to be? Yeah. Um, well, I had just closed the restaurant like we uh, were talking about earlier. And uh, I was sort of like, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm not going to like rush anything. I'm just going to see what happens. Um, and one of the former, one of our former customers reached out and she was like, Hey, I work for blue star press and we think this will be a cool cookbook. And, um, and I was like, pretty much like, heck yes. And I had already, I had written, um, a less formal version of this. It was about 50 recipes, spiral bound, self-printed that I kept in the restaurant just with some favorites. But, um, when they approached me about this one, they were like, we really want to do it you know, big, we want it to be hardcover, beautiful. Um, we want to have all of the restaurant recipes in there. And I thought like, what a, there is no better way for this restaurant to live on 
beyond like just the idea of people making these recipes in their homes. Now the exact same recipes they used to love at the restaurant. Um, I was like, I'm, I'm so in. That's perfect. That's perfect. And it, it is an expansive, it goes past the 50 rest, uh, recipes, everybody. How many recipes would you say are in here? Uh, don't quote me, but I think it's something like 130. Oh yeah. It says right here, actually 130 Does it? plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got it right. You got it right. Oh, there you go. 130. Uh, yeah. With 90 plus gluten-free recipes while we're at it. That's awesome. Oh, gluten-free <laughs> listeners out there looking for the gluten-free. It's got it in here. Well, you start things off in this book with a great introduction from stocking your kitchen, frying for beginners, soaking beans, and even cast iron cooking. I personally love cooking with a cast iron, but I admit that I really haven't done much research in it beyond what I learned in culinary school, which was sort of like a quick crash course on it. You break things down in here from seasoning your cast iron to cleaning and cooking with it. Can you talk about the cast iron cooking a bit and how it fits into the Cajun landscape? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I mean, like, uh, physically, I think what the cast iron skillet offers, it just makes things like it cooks things in a, in a way that you can't get from anything other than cast iron, like those crispy edges and things like if you've cooked with it before, you know about it. But um, I think one of the coolest things about cooking with cast iron for me is there's this kind of like psychological thing happening where I feel like I'm in my great grandmother's kitchen and she's teaching me how to make like her favorite skillet cornbread recipe or something. It's like it's like an imaginary thing that that gets added on for me when I cook with cast iron. And then on top of that, if you like to take photos of things, the cast iron just makes beautiful photos. So that I, is I think so true. Yeah, that's so true. And also, I, I get what you're saying about the feeling of it. Like, it's just cast iron's like a whole feeling when it's a whole vibe. Yeah, everybody. Cast like iron I could is be a in a log cabin or something. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, first things first, <laughs> breakfast and breads with recipes like savory corn, bacon and cheese pancakes, cinnamon s'mores, French toast roll-ups, sourdough cinnamon rolls with cream cheese icing. These recipes are far from pedestrian, but also offer a variety getting into classics like French toast, white sausage gravy and grits and greens. What are a couple items from the breakfast and breads chapter for you that had to make it into this book? Like what was popular at the restaurant that made it into this book? Um, well, of course, biscuits and gravy, everybody yes. loves biscuits and gravy. I also, um, one thing that couldn't not be in there was pancakes. I got a lot of people, uh, sending me messages after we closed, like, are you going to send out the pancake recipe? <laughs> well, kinda, yeah. Um, so those were some crowd favorites. I think like for me, normally I don't eat like a ton of sweet stuff for breakfast. So there's like a savory Cajun oatmeal, which is like, okay, cool. You know, but um, it's like very practical in, in my opinion. And you would go, so you'd be geared towards more of the savory breakfast you're saying than the sweets for you personally? Yeah. I mean, I, I love them, but like not that often. So it's kind of, it's like a, even when I was um, revisiting all of these recipes and like formatting them for a cookbook and stuff. So I was constantly taste testing, you know, I was eating yes. a couple of sweet things for breakfast a day. And I just thought like, Oh, I can't go on. This isn't yeah. sustainable. Well, it's so interesting. <laughs> and I'm realizing this now as we're talking actually, because I love, I can't do, I can't, I love sweet food and I love a sweet breakfast, but I find if I have a sweet breakfast 
it just sets me up terribly for the day. Yeah. It's kind of that thing, like, again, psychologically, or I guess, you know, it's like sugar is a drug. It's that thing of like, once I have that sugar high in the morning, then I feel like I'm chasing it all day. So like, I know for myself, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do it, I either need to be really mindful about it, or maybe I love pancakes for dinner, because then I'm like, look, <laughs> it's done. I had it in the evening, and I'm not going to eat the rest of the night, you know? Yeah, you know, that's funny, you compare it to drugs, because I don't know if you're like me, but like, I am a sucker for drugs of all kinds. So yes. like, I have to be careful, you know, <laughs> like, um, it, to me, this cookbook, um, as fun and lovely to, as it is, I, I have to use it carefully because to me, it's a book full of drugs, just yummy, yummy drugs. No, listen, and I will take that a step further and say we're on the same page because my second book is sort of the same way. My second book is Epic Vegan. It's a combination of all these crazy stunt foods, right? Cinnamon rolls and all that stuff yeah. like that, right? So it's of the same sort of thing where I'm like, all these delicious things. But again, it's like, I can have a little, I, you know, I got to know, I, I know my limits, basically, and I got to yeah. be cautious. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's, and I'm actually, I'm writing another cookbook right now, which is yes. more, yeah, it's going to be so different. Um, I hope I, I don't get burned at the stake for it, but um, I, it's going to be like a hundred percent whole foods unprocessed, like more of like how I eat on a day-to-day basis. Isn't so. that funny? I mean, it's interesting. I, and one of those things is, I mean, I guess we can veer off just a, a touch and talk about restaurant food, like, right? Restaurant yeah. food is it's people who go to the restaurant and they're like, Oh, I'm going to get at the restaurant and maybe I'll like eat half of it in portion. I'm like, it's still not the healthiest thing. Like most no. restaurants, no matter what, because it's so tasty. Right. And they're doing all There's the a things. Reason it's so tasty. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Actually. Um, when I was writing these recipes, a lot of the ones that I took straight from the res- restaurant, they're the exact same, just like portioned differently. And, um, I would look at the recipe when I was done and, and, and go like, Whoa, that's, you know, that's a decent amount of sugar in this. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, well, that's that's what we served at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So if people really want to know what's going into their restaurant food and why it tastes so good, just make recipes out of this book yeah. and you'll get it. Isn't that crazy? It's so interesting. Anyways, again, a whole other podcast. Clearly, and you and I can have many (laughs) conversations. We'll keep going on with the book here. So the next chapter is soups, salads, and the po'boys chapter. And it's what's your favorite po'boy offering in the book? Ooh, well, um, so uh, that's this is a two part answer. But um, our most popular po'boy at the restaurant was the New Orleans po'boy, which is the fried palm. And I really like that one. But when I was making this book, I threw in a few more. Um, and the oyster mushroom po' boy, I think, is my new favorite. I mean, it, anything with oyster mushrooms, right? Delicious. Yeah, I'm actually not even so much of a mushroom person. I'm coming around. But when I made <laughs> those, I was like, well, if I like this, then I think other people will like it. Well, and you also have the Pride Po' Boy in here that was served at your restaurant during Pride 2017 with some of the profits going to a local LGBTQ plus organization. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us what made up the Pride Po' Boy. Um, good question. Let's see. So we, it, obviously it was a rainbow. We can't get away from the rainbow. Yes. <laughs> that was really fun. Um, it, it required some attention in the kitchen. Like, no, seriously, this is exactly how everything has to go together. But, um, so to make that rainbow, right? Yeah. Yeah. We tried to make it healthy too. So like choosing things like spinach and, um, like fresh veggies to give it the color. Nice. Um, let's see, what was it from top to bottom? Something like tomatoes. Uh, we use banana peppers, uh, fresh spinach and kale, our homemade Cajun ranch, uh, red cabbage pickles, I feel like I'm I'm leaving out a few things even, but yeah, it was that was also one of my favorites. That's a, it's like a an adaption of the New Orleans po' boy to be a little more fun. 
Sounds fresh and delicious. And beyond po'boys in this chapter, we got the soups and the salads, of course. I have my eye on the Cajun slow cooker white bean soup. I love a set it and forget it. But also <laughs> the jambalaya and Louisiana gumbo. Now, can you tell me about this? I need help pronouncing it. The chip, chipotulis salad? Can you say that for me? Chipotulis. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. I wasn't good. too far off. Yeah, that's uh, we had that one at the restaurant. And we put in like the what do you call it, the phonetic uh, spelling of it, so that people. So but people. people <laughs> <laughs> well, we got some funny pronounced even like bignettes. We're like, oh yes. Oh bignette. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I guess yeah. I never. When I go to go to spell beignet, I'm always like, wait a minute, I have to pause there. So I, I well, you're not that. alone. I've spelled it thousands of times, and I'm still like B E. So. Yeah, you're like, where does this G go? The G goes in twelve <laughs> different places. Did I make uh, up? The G? <laughs> well, the main event. We're at the entrees chapter here, full of stunners for dinner, including items like blackened Cajun tempe, tempe, mini festival corn dogs, the Bayou Goddess Bowl, Cajun street tacos, and barbecue tofu fillets, butternut squash goo creamy red beans and parsley rice uh uh beans oh what creamy red beans and parsley rice black eyed pea chili and beet and sweet potato chili that sounds also amazing tell me about the chili jalapeno butternut squash steaks uh oh yeah those are those are pretty kicking i don't know uh i'm assuming you haven't made those um i have not no they are um that was sort of, um, okay. So there's a few things that were on the menu and in the cookbook that to me are just sort of ridiculous, but like really fun. Like there's a swamp queen po' boy, which is like, I mean the, you know, <laughs> everything, but the kitchen sink po' boy. And, <laughs> um, and that's fun to make just because it's ridiculous. The squash to me is similar in that it doesn't need to be that spicy. Um, but it is, and it comes with like some interesting textures, like the crispy jalapenos once you're done uh cooking them everything just sort of it melts like butter i love that one love that's an interesting one. one to ask questions about though that's kind of i've no, no one's ever asked me about that one <laughs> well i love that you're like so you haven't made it then right <laughs> <laughs> no one's made it <laughs> well what about the cross room pie can you elaborate oh, on that one a bit i'm so glad you asked about that that is one of my it was one of my favorite recipes to make because um i used to eat um crawfish i can't i was like what are those things called the the roaches of the sea the crawfish <laughs> uh crawfish pie um was one of my favorites it's kind of like a chicken pot pie variation so uh. like, i had i had never made anything like it veganized so this was for this book i specifically set out to make that and sort of like you know it's done um and that was really fun it's just got this like super savory creamy inside with like all these different interesting textures like from palm and mushrooms and um what kind of mushrooms are in it uh well i don't specifically remember what i put in that one time i think i did a blend of like oysters okay oh, um, i really like lion's mane lately yes. um just for you know something different but i'd say like a any assortment is is great three or more that's good it's not pick it's not finicky then on what mushrooms so that's always nice no. too yeah well, the sides chapter is always one of my favorites in every book. What is a recipe from really? the sides chapter? Yeah, because I love a side. You can like take it to, you know, you, it's always something you can put with something. You can have it on the side or you can make a little meal out of it. You can put different sides together and make a bowl out of it sometimes. I, I love sides. Um, okay. What's the first side you would tell someone to make out of this chapter when <laughs> they pick, pick up the book? Um, well, I'd say one of the most, um, sought after and easy to make recipes is cornbread. So there's the skillet cornbread and then there's also, uh, like a loaded jalapeno cornbread muffin recipe. Uh, those are 
both great starters and, and usually uh, great hits. But, now, um, listen, you're not wrong. I made that <laughs> sweet and salty cast iron cornbread from here, and it was perfect. Sweet and salty, yeah? like it says, yes, it had the perfect bake, made it in that cast iron, and it was <laughs> so good, had a nice crumble. I'd never made one in a cast iron before, so I, I loved doing oh, it, and it was super well, easy. I'm honored to have um, guided you through that process. <laughs> you totally did. You totally did. And this chapter is chock full of other goodies like fried oyster mushrooms, roasted accordion potatoes, fried green tomatoes, cranberry pecan coleslaw, smothered okra, deviled potatoes. See what I'm saying? You can put all that like in a little bowl. You can make a little bowl out of it. Uh, green Ooh, bean casserole, dirty rice. Yeah, right? Cranberry pecan slaw. That sounds so good. We got fried pickles in here, southern hush puppies, and Louisiana collard greens. Uh, the recipe right after the cornbread is the one-pot Mardi Gras medley. What's in the one pot? Tell us more about the Mardi Gras medley. Um, yeah, that's actually kind of a recipe that doesn't go with the rest. In my opinion, it's like a super healthy, like <laughs> hey, you want to get all your veggies in. Um, but there was a time where I was really addicted to that combo. And, and when, when you're really busy and you're just like, Oh, what I'm going to do, it sounds crazy just to throw some veggies in a pot and then eat those veggies. But that's exactly what that recipe is. So it just goes through, like, it's more about uh, the recipe is more about just how to time putting things into a steamer basket, like what takes longer to cook, what can nice. you throw in at the last second, and then it all comes out together ready to eat. Everyone needs that sort of uh, guidance on that. So that's very helpful. Maybe this is a, a recipe that's going to make a little revival with a variation in your new cookbook you're working on. Yeah. So lines. Yeah, it does fall in line. Yes. Well, now we get into dressings, uh, sauces and toppings chapter. This is a saucy household here. My, hus- my husband, David, loves sauces on everything. I'm not saying I don't like them either, but he's obsessed. I'll look over and help <laughs> getting like three different sauces out of the fridge for something. What are some of your favorite sauces from this chapter? Um, well, at one point in time, I think I would have said Cajun ranch. And then I mm. was drowned in Cajun ranch for several years at the <laughs> restaurant. We, I mean, we would make it just gallons and gallons at a time and still run out. So um, I, <laughs> I've lost my taste for Cajun ranch, but sure. I hear the others love it. Um, for me, I really like the ROM a lot. It's like a it, the the recipe in this book is pretty true to what like uh, a non-vegan version of it would taste like. And it's just kind of like tangy and, and interesting rather than like straightforward, delicious, like Cajun ranch. Yeah. Well, and I feel like I'm, I'm going to ask you next if you keep a staple dressing around. I, I feel like at one point it was probably the Cajun ranch before you <laughs> actually had it at the restaurant. What's Is there a dressing from here now that you keep on hand as a staple? Um, well, I do like to make the, uh, chili cheese sauce a lot or some variation of that just with, um, with cat, like a cashew sort of sauce. Sure. Um, I love that on everything. Um, yeah. but other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty simple these days. I know I'm not, I'm not really like selling these sauce recipes, but I am like a, a chari <laughs> kind of girl or I like sesame oil. So, um, I would say that like my personal habits, very, um, they're very different from, from what's in this book, but I still love all these recipes. I was going to say, so so far we've said basically the book is full of drugs and and the recipes are great, but no, we're just kidding. No, (laughs) actually buy my drug book. (laughs) If anything, we have said nothing but lovely things about, we're talking about how (laughs) delicious the food is. So come on now. Yes. Thank you very much. I, I feel like we're coming from the same place. So I couldn't possibly take that the wrong way. I think that we're talking about how food is delicious, but also, you know, as people mature, 
as we yes. are, we start to think differently about our food choices. And um, when I had Issa Chandra on, she said a really interesting thing about um, people buy, she did the research and people buy cookbooks and they make on average two recipes from the cookbooks they buy. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> um, it's crazy, but t- I totally believe But that. you get it, right? So when yeah. you think about it, though, someone's buying these books exactly for that reason, because it is delicious. And they're not going to cook through the book. They're, you know, for the most part, some people yeah. might, but they're going to make a few recipes. Marty Gras medley. Yeah, and they're... <laughs> <laughs> It's I not mean, happening. I'm interested in the Mardi Gras medley, but I guess I'm a different breed at this point. But I also made the beignets and the cornbread, so I went to those oh, first. So I hear did it. You make a full it. batch of beignets, and how many people were you trying to feed? Don't I can't believe you're asking me that question on ah. the record button. He's going. I said to my <laughs> husband, I put it off for like a week, and I was like, David, I just don't want to make them because, like, I. He's like, we'll take them to the neighbors. I said, I know, but we've got to take them like immediately when they're warm. We can't be like taking them like they a need day to be later. fresh. Yeah, some so, old crusty beignets. The neighbors, nobody. Yeah, well, and like they get a little like soggy from the powdered yep. sugar, all the things, right? So like we ate. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I had I had six at least. I had six. But <laughs> here's the deal: I don't eat it's them all the time. Ones. So I was like, I just put the hard work into these. I'm gonna have as many as I want, and I enjoyed them. They were delicious. Yes. My goodness, I think that's great. Just enjoy them while they're there. You're not making beignets every day. That's exactly right. Listen, they were light and fluffy and deliciously decadent. They were everything I wanted it to be. Yay. Little pups Aww. of powdered sugar, he- sugar heaven. Uh, you also give us uh, another Cajun staple most people would recognize with a king cake in here. Yeah. Tell us about yeah. the king cake. Um, yeah. So I really went pretty hard on the king cake recipe just because I know <laughs> that it's such a staple. And, you know, there are perhaps people buying this book just to make king cake. So I wanted to make sure that I was right. And you know, I, I've tested it several times. I had other people make it. And each time I would be like, Oh, good point. I need to add a detail there. So I feel pretty good about this recipe and, and how it's communicated. And I've seen some photos that people have sent me of the ones they made. And I'm just so proud. (laughs) And, um, it, this is, this king cake recipe is basically when I think about eating king cake as a kid or teenager or whatever, this it it's the same for me. I tried to be really true to the flavor. I love that. I can't wait to make that. I definitely have this page marked to go back and make. I've never made one, so I'm excited. It's when- so fun. Well, I, I'm really interested to see how it goes for you. And if you have feedback on how to make the recipe even better, you know where to find me. Ah, well, and you know, you're exactly right about people wanting to make it. Because when I got this book, I, I flipped it open and was like, oh, is, I wonder if there's a king cake in here. <laughs> of course. Yes, I of course. It's, it's kind of an intimidating recipe because it just it feels so like sacred or something to a lot of people. And um I try to make people feel better by basically letting them know that like if you've ever made cinnamon rolls, this isn't that far off. It's just yeah. a, a giant cinnamon roll. You can do it. I have no doubt it's gonna be great. I'm excited to make it. When we're looking at the desserts chapter, what are a couple recipes from this chapter? Beyond the king cake and the beignets, what what are a couple recipes you've made to row- wow the crowd? Items that are proven crowd pleasers from the desserts chapter. Hmm, great question. Um, well, there's a raspberry mint, no baked cheesecake pie in there that oh. is one of my favorites, and it's a crowd pleaser. It's also beautiful. Um, I think you know, a big part of eating food is looking at it before you eat it. Sure. So if it's pretty, it tastes better. Um, but salted pecan pralines uh, are also a crowd favorite. We used to make those at the restaurant. They just, yeah, everybody loves those. And then um, something a little more, 
I would maybe subtle. I, there's a recipe for fig and sweet potato oatmeal cookies in there, and they've got pecans Ooh. and brown sugar. And that that is something that I love sharing and also love enjoying myself because it's not crazy sweet. It's just like you know oatmeal cookie. It's it's not yeah. that intimidating or you know Ooh, not as druggy as the rest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, when we talk about things looking good, too, uh, you said that a few recipes ago, uh, we we're talking about or the raspberry cheesecake looking good. This book itself looks gorgeous, by the way, it's got oh, a, thank you. A, what is that a linen binding on it? What do you call that? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I'm linen binding and yeah these these foiled edges i'm just foiled I mean, that's the word so y'all the edges of the book are purple and shiny it was one of the <laughs> things that turned me on to it at first because i love shiny colorful things and it is it's just so fun i'm holding it in my hands like flipping it around right now like watching the light <laughs> showing <on>. the audience <laughs> yes oh my goodness i love it yeah i working with this publisher has honestly been a dream i've heard um i was sort of nervous to get into any sort of publishing deal because sure. i had just heard horror stories and mm-hmm. you know you don't make any money and and um i thought you know whatever i like these people i'll give it a go and just every step along the way i've been like holy crap i'm so glad i have blue star like they come up with the best ideas and and they helped me turn this thing into something that I thought was pretty, but in hindsight was okay. <laughs> and they just made it gorgeous. I love that. And I love hearing that about publishers because that's not always the case. And yeah. I will say in my correspondence with them, they've also been lovely. So that's right? a report on this end too. So that's good to hear. Was it your idea for the shiny edge or theirs? Um, I think, you know, it's hard to say. I think that I brought it up as like a joke. Like, oh, what if we did yes. the gold edges like a Bible? And they were like, hmm yeah that does sound good and then they later proposed purple and i thought oh what a this is such a great working relationship i say something kind of ridiculous you rein in it a bit and make it more appropriate well that's the coolest thing about the book publishing world right it's the collaboration part if you can like give yourself over to it yeah you yeah if you can if you can uh exactly give yourself over to it it's it's amazing i you know looking back there's no way that this would have come out looking this way without that whole team they're so great Oh, I They're love tired that. of hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny. You said, as you were saying gold, and I was looking at the purple, I'm seeing now we've got the, what people call red cabbage, but I call purple cabbage. It's purple um, cabbage. It's purple. Come on, y'all. It's, you've <laughs> got that right on the corner, and it then it like bleeds into the purple foil on the Isn't side. Isn't that great? Oh, I'm so glad sense. you like it. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm getting off on purple getting <laughs> off on the purple edges now talking about that. But let's get back into the last bit of the book. I feel there's no way to do a Cajun cookbook without the drinks. So we've got a drinks chapter oh. starting it off strong with a southern sweet tea. What are a couple of drinks that were an absolute Cajun must for you in this chapter? Drinks you knew this book couldn't be without. Um, let's see Cajun must. I think um a lot of them are very simple, but they just need to be written down and put in this book. Like Cafe Olay is just one part milk, one part coffee. Very complicated, right? But it's like a <laughs> reminder that, hey, sometimes you can make your coffee this way and it's delicious. I think um, also the country lemonade and we have a Ponchatoula strawberry lemonade in there um, and even a lavender lemonade for fun. They were all great. Oh, and jalapeno cauldron lemonade, which is like kind of a witchy, wow. smoky kind of uh, thing. Uh, it's got jalapenos in it. These were all um, things that we served at the restaurant uh, at various times and, and yeah, fond memories. Oh, I love it. And you end the book with a tribute to your restaurant, uh, yeah. actually, Crimsey's Cajun K- Kitchen. I would love for you to give a little verbal tribute to Crimsey's Cajun Kitchen right now, if that's okay. Is there anything you'd like to say about the kitchen before we wrap it up about the book? 
Oh, well, man, that place was great. Um, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, running a restaurant is hard, but the community that assembled within that restaurant was so special to me that when we closed, that was, that was one of the hardest parts, like having to part with, with my, um, my crew, which is the mm-hmm. staff and our, our guests. I just thought like this without, without this business existing here, all of that goes away. Um, so yeah, I guess my tribute is more of like, just, Hey, thanks everyone who participated in, in some way or another, whether you came to like a live Cajun music night or a craft night, or, or you just brought someone over to try vegan. Like it, it was really special. Well, I love to see that Crimsy's Cajun Kitchen is living on in the Cajun Vegan Cookbook. Everybody go get yourself a copy. The Cajun Vegan Cookbook, a modern guide to classic Cajun cooking and Southern-inspired cuisine by Crimsy Lilith. A book for your belly written from the heart. Crimsy, are you ready for your rapid-fire baker's dozen round of questions? Oh, sure. Yeah, let's go. All right, here we go. Did anything make you smile today? And if so, what was it? Oh my God. I've been smiling this whole podcast. Hey! I don't know it, but um, yeah, I've really enjoyed talking to you. But um, also I, where I live makes me smile. I, I kind of live in like a small town right now in Washington and look out the window and see mountains and trees and we live right on the river and that makes me smile. So oh. I smiled earlier from that. That's good. That's good. Well, you make me smile. And now that description makes me smile too. So we're even <laughs> Steven. Uh, what is a nice thing you've done for yourself lately? Oh, well, um, okay. I have started switching from coffee to tea a little more because, you know, I mentioned I like drugs, coffee. It's just another drug to abuse. And so I try to, I try to rein it in a little bit every now and then and just say like, you can have a green tea. That's fine. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. I, I, I'm, I'm I'm trying to say I want to make that switch, which I do. But coffee, you're almost um, thinking about considering. almost. There we go. There you go. Almost thinking about considering. That's the perfect way to put it. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, do you have a favorite podcast you're listening to right now? Um, you know, honestly, not really. I tend All to right. sort of um, dive deep on a topic and then just search like you know who's talking about ectogenesis and then find something there and move on. Um, so I don't. I, there is one podcast that I. I wouldn't say I'm a regular, but I do enjoy it frequently is uh, science friction. All right. They, science yeah. fiction. We'll take that answer. Yeah. If you were a potato, what way would you like to be cooked? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, my favorite way to cook potatoes is kind of a lot of work, but, um, and actually there's a recipe in the cookbook for, um, I call them accordion potatoes, but they're originally, I think, Hasselback potatoes where you just thin slice and roast the whole thing. And then, and then you kind of get the best of all the worlds because you've got this creamy, fluffy potato down in the middle bottom, but then the edges are like crispy fries. My confession is that I've never made a Hasselback potato. So maybe I'm going to have to uh, go off your recipe in here and go for it. Yes. I mean, it looks fun. I just never think of it. It's kind of like craft night, like just set aside some time and and get your tools together and then have fun just slicing up a potato. Foods are my favorite craft, so I'm here for it. Next question (laughs) is, what is your favorite spice to cook with? Um, you know, I almost just blurted out salt and then I was like, that is such (laughs) a lame answer. (laughs) Um, second to salt then let's say that's so funny though. (laughs) Salt. Salt. Um, my favorite spice drug. Um, but yes. no, um, beyond salt, I have really enjoyed cooking with, oh gosh, 
I think cayenne pepper, which is kind That's of like, great. okay, Southerner, but um, just a <laughs> tiny bit here and there. It just adds a kick. I've even put it in my coffee before. Just, you know, it's kind of like a tingly wake up. Yeah. My goodness. All right. I'm going to I'm gonna have to think about trying to consider maybe considering. <laughs> What's yeah. your must have tool in the kitchen? Um, I think. I like a really good pair of tongs. I'm very picky yes. about my tongs. They got to like line up correctly yep. and have the right coating on them. They got to be easy to clean. I don't want to be able to melt them. So yeah, a, a high quality pair of tongs. I agree with that. That's a good answer. What is a must in your morning routine, uh, morning ritual? Um, hmm. it, it seems to change, but, um, lately I have really enjoyed setting aside. I just put a timer so I don't overdo it. And I just, I let myself read for like 25 or 30 minutes on the couch, just sipping some coffee. Very, you know, I guess I'm 90. (laughs) Well, I think in order to read, I mean, that's a good idea setting aside some time for that. So you don't, people either get too invested in it or they're always kind of like, Oh, I wish I were doing that more. So either way, setting some time aside for it, I think is great. Uh, What's an item on your bucket list? Um, well, I'm dying to scuba dive the Great Barrier Reef. I think I've I felt like urgently called to go do it because it's dying, uh, which is, you know, a little sad. But that's that's the thing on my bucket list. I want to see it before it's gone. She's going for it. I love a big <laughs> bucket list ticket number there. If you could instantly and you may already play an instrument. So if you play one already, what is another one you would play if you could instantly play an instrument? <laughs> um. Well, I just got a synth and I'm sort of uh, poking around on that. It would be great to be able to know what all the buttons are for. To just instantly be able to do it, right? I've yeah, had a guitar. A lot of sit- I mean, I've had a guitar sitting in the side of my, in the corner of this home and my last home and my home before that. And I learned something at one point that I sat it down maybe one day. Anyway, pancakes or waffles? Uh, waffles, because you can fill the little squares with stuff. Yes. Cupcakes or donuts? cupcakes they're just cuter and the frosting for me it's the frosting. yeah the frosting <laughs> what's your favorite shape of pasta oh um i like bow ties they're just like kind of like formal and playful very good and your last one what's your absolute favorite cajun food item um what a loaded question but you know <laughs> <laughs> um i'm actually gonna say beignets that's hey. uh no i think not every day but they're just when i eat a beignet i can't help but feel like i'm in the french quarter i guess because that's one of you know the the most commonly eaten places for a beignet for me was in yes. the french quarter. oh for sure and honestly i um i i felt like you said it's not an all the time kind of thing so i didn't feel bad eating those six beignets at all i loved it Today in 12. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's it. <laughs> Listen, you did it. That Those were your questions. Fantastic. Y'all, Crimsy is not on social media, which I fully support, but you <laughs> do have a website. So p- tell people where they can find you on the website. Yeah, my website is crimdom.com, like kingdom, but with crim. And uh, yeah, there's stuff happening over there. It's it's kind of, you know, it's <laughs> it follows my normal path of doing things like setting a timer to read my website kind of has that vibe i guess um it's kind of 90s and and simple but i do send out a newsletter like every now and then i like to say between zero to six emails per year 
um, it's just, you know, it kind of depends on what's happening. If I don't have anything to say, I don't, I don't send out a newsletter. So that's great. The new, the little button for it on the website, doesn't it say something like you might get like one recipe a month from me? Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. Uh, I try to include, cause I know a lot of people are on the newsletter for food stuff. So I make sure that I've got at least a food thing or two, like a recipe or a product res- recommendation or something. But there's also a lot of like, just, uh, you know, if I listen to a cool podcast and I want to share it, or if I watch this cool YouTube video, or if I just read a book I really liked, um, things like that. Well, and I like that you're telling them up front. So they're getting yeah. the transparency of it. It's fantastic. Know what to expect. That's very good. Well, listen, <laughs> it's uh, great to have you on. This is the Cajun Vegan Cookbook, a modern guide to classic Cajun cooking and Southern inspired cuisine by Crimsy Lilith. It's available now everywhere books are sold. And you should go, go get yourself a copy and get your Cajun cooking on Crimsy. Thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I've had so much fun. Thank you. <laughs> I really do just adore that gal. Let me tell you, I did not know her before we chatted on this podcast, and I really hope to meet her in person one day because it was just like catching up with an old friend uh, getting to uh, speak with her. So had a great time in that interview. Adore her. Adore this book. She said she's working on another, and I can't wait for it. Uh, but again, I want to mention how beautiful this book is. It's just uh, from start to finish, great photos and the design with the black and then the purple foiling on the side. It's just a stunner. The Cajun Vegan Cookbook by Crimsy Lilith. Okay, and today, Dustin's Dish, what I've got for you is I just want to talk about something that's overlooked a little bit. Okay, uh, and again, like I said, David and I had recorded something and, and this was brought up because David really likes his broccoli like cooked well. And I tend to go on the other end where I like it a little crunchy, a little crispy. And now we've met in the middle. I'll cook it a little longer than I normally uh, used to traditionally used to, I might say. Um, But my whole point here with Dustin's Dish, my tip of the day, is to not overcook your vegetables. When you overcook your vegetables, you're losing some important enzymes and nutrients. So of course, if you want to cook them, I'm not telling you to go on a raw diet. I'm telling you to do you. But also, when you cook your vegetables, just be cautious not to overcook them so you don't cook out all the good stuff. Like you're doing this great thing by eating your veggies and getting your veggies on your plate and, you know, Doing the right thing, one might say. Feeding your body with delicious, nutrient-dense food, right? So you want to keep it that way. Don't overcook your vegetables, because when you do, you're losing out on all the good stuff, okay, okay? Well, listen, please tell everyone you know about the podcast. We love sharing all of these vegan cookbooks with you. Please DM David and tell him that you loved him and you missed him this week. I know I certainly did, but I also know that we recorded together. And y'all, he was marvelous, as usual. And I'm so sad to miss it, but the schedule just wouldn't allow us to redo it. So here we are. You got just me instead. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Crimsy. I know I did. She is a gem. And you can help us out if you share this episode, review it, and subscribe to Keep On Cooking wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow at Keep On Cooking Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Please, the task I give you is to maybe share this with one person you think might enjoy this episode today. Someone who maybe likes vegan, or or not even vegan cooking, someone who likes Cajun cooking. Go on ahead and pass it on to them. It warms my heart that you join us every week to listen to these episodes, and I'm so grateful for you. And come back next week for a brand new episode. Please, please, please. Until then, keep on cooking, and remember, you are the best thing that has ever happened to you. This has been a Muzzy Cat production.